did you ever have that experience where um, all of your friends in like the blink of an eye were in on a joke and you were not? I can't relate. I mean, I, I was always <laughs> so popular and well-loved. Right. I, I wish I could say the same, but unfortunately I can't. So uh, this happened, you know, at, at the beginning of high school, very, very um, anxious social period, you know, fraught with tension. And all of a sudden it seemed like all of my friends were pulling voices and making jokes um, from somewhere. And I had no idea where it is. The only thing that I knew was that it was called Teen Girl Squad. Teen Girl Squad! Cheerleader! So-and-so! Watch your face! The ugly one! Uh, and I knew that this wasn't a TV show. It was not a familiar name to me from any of our, you know, major broadcast networks. Uh, so I just went to the internet, my archaic, you know, browser, whatever I was using, and looked up Teen Girl Squad. And what I found were this series of cartoons, which I later found out were... Um, being drawn by another fictional character within this much larger universe. But at the time, I didn't know that. I have a crush on every boy! Arrowed! Ow, my skin! And in a a very early example of what we would now know as a binge watch, and much shorter because this this series is pretty small, uh, I watched all of these Teen Girl Squad clips and got caught up on this wacky universe of, like, hand-drawn, often very violent... um, kind of mean <laughs> fictional teen girls uh, and then when i went back to school on monday i was finally well equipped to to get back into the circle to get back in on the joke unfortunately and of course this is the way these things work uh, a week later we had probably moved on to something completely different but that was my first experience with web tv um scrambling very quickly <laughs> to get in on the joke that all of my friends were telling this is your supervillain origin story. This is you deciding, I am going to pursue the life of an entertainment reporter so that never again will I not know what a Teen Girl Squad is. That's right, yeah. If I'm lucky, you know, there will be a series of movies and comics and TV shows that retell my origin story over and over again, like Batman got. Um, but if it only gets retold here, I, I guess I'm fine with that too. Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast on TheVerge.com. I am your host, Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I am joined by my friend, my colleague, Jameson Cox, an entertainment reporter at TheVerge.com. We are talking about web television, which kind of has something to do with internet television, but kind of doesn't. Let's start there. Um, Jameson, what is internet television or web television? Well, uh, first off, Chris, thank you for having me. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Um, as for your question, what is web television? It's, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's, um, it's TV programming, television shows, uh, made for and distributed using the internet. Uh, it has a longer history than you might expect, but that's, that's basically what it is. And you can take all of the uh, familiar categories we use to, to classify TV shows. So, you know, you have your comedies, your dramas your talk shows, your reality shows, your parodies of reality shows, et cetera, et cetera. And you're just porting them over um, to the internet instead of your cable box. Uh, There are some differences in the format that the shows use, and there are often differences in tone. And that's because web TV isn't as beholden to um, the convention and constraints that have been placed on conventional TV for a long time. But 
um, for all intents and purposes, they're they're really quite similar. Is internet television and web television essentially the same thing? Is web just like an old word that like I use because I was born before 1990? <laughs> yeah, I I mean I don't think it's because you're old. You're you're fresh as a daisy. Uh, for <laughs> me, I use them synonymously: web television or internet internet television. Um, I think at an earlier time there may have been more significance to the difference, but it's it's common now to hear them used synonymously. How how is this different than like oh man remember that time like Will Ferrell's baby girl was like you owe me money and everybody <laughs> was like that's so funny um, is is there a difference between like a, a funny video and web TV Yeah there is absolutely and um, that's a good question because I think a lot of people get tripped up on something like the landlord or the um, the Lonely Island digital shorts I know it, it still trips me up occasionally and thinks of that as web TV but there is a difference. Um, Web TV is is episodic. It's it's serialized in much the same way as your um, you know your conventional TV show. Um, it adheres to that episode season model that we're really familiar with. Um, and there's usually not always, but a lot of the time there is a narrative that's stretching over um, you know said episodes or said season. Uh, it may just be an overarching concept and not like lost level plot threads, but there is some sort of unifying thing that ties all of the the web tv installments together um whereas something like the landlord you know it's like okay i want to see a funny video i'm gonna go to funny or die or youtube i'm gonna watch said funny video i will have my laugh and then i will go on with my day um that's how most people talk about comedy exactly (laughs) i can't wait to have my laugh (laughs) I mean, that's how I talk about comedy. I just assume that everyone talks about it in the same way. But people yeah, say entertainment it, reporters are out of touch. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I talked in my interview, actually. I love media. <laughs> I love to have laughs. And that's why I'm here today. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about the first web television series and whoever was, I, I guess, smart enough, stupid enough to put a whole bunch of money into it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good mix of, of, of smart like almost genius in this case and um and complete craziness so uh i find this really hard to believe because the internet was so slow at this point um you could barely like download the newest pavement single um or even find the newest pavement single much less um stream a tv series but to brag about your music taste james (laughs) (laughs) but you can yeah well i mean i am an entertainment reporter um yeah you can trace web tv all the way back um, to 1995, actually. That's when this guy named um, Scott Zacharin, Zacharin, I've never had to say his name out loud until now, but uh, we'll say um, Zacharin. And he had an idea for a show that would be hosted uh, entirely online and it would be funded by a mixture of ads and venture capital, which is a pretty neat idea given that it was 1995. Uh, and that show ended up becoming something called The Spot. Uh, which was basically a soap opera, like a, a pretty conventional, cheesy soap opera. Um, but it ended up exerting a lot of influence on the way we would use the internet decades later. It, it predicted a lot of our behavior. So the spot ran for three years. It was this um, soap opera set in a house in California filled with young, beautiful people, um, I guess. And uh, the series production and its <laughs> bandwidth. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, no, we have to go back. You made a value okay. judgment there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Young, beautiful people. Pause. 
I guess. Were, were they young and beautiful or were they not? No, they were. They were young and oh, beautiful. Sure. I was just being a, a little shady. Um, anyway, <laughs> to get away from my value judgments. Uh, so the spots, uh, production and bandwidth, they were paid for through stuff like banner ads and through stuff like product placement. And at the same time, while this kind of innovative business stuff was going on, um, the cast members of the spot were writing what were basically um, like blog posts proto blog posts and viewers could uh, read these posts and they could email the show to comment on both what was happening on the show, what the cast members were writing. And then the people who were running the show would take that viewer activity and they would use it to inform uh, future developments on the show. So even though it was wrapped in this very conventional timeless format of, of like the daytime soap, uh, the spot ended up conveying a lot of really interesting ideas about what TV could be in the future, how we could use the internet, uh, the breaking down these barriers between um, viewers and performers. And it really broke some ground, even though it didn't last for a very long time. Now, I, I don't remember this at all, but I do remember Homestar Runner, um, which I, I, I was like, okay with. I'm not one of those like crazy Homestar Runner fans, but a number of other animated series that ran on the internet, like Sharks, which maybe I'm the only person who saw, <laughs> it seemed like animation was more popular at first when it came to uh, web television series. I'm curious if that's true, and if so, why that is. Yeah, I definitely think that it's true and that animated series um, caught the wave a little bit earlier than live action series did. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, the first one, and I think it's probably the obvious one, is that uh, creating an animated series is a lot less intensive than filming some um, complicated, intricate uh, live action series. So let's say um, you know you have an idea for a show and you're, you want to make it you know as quickly as possible. You want to put it on the internet. Well, if you have some animation skill, it's going to take uh, less money and it's going to take less time. And there are going to be much, much fewer stakeholders that you have to deal with at any given time when you're uh, creating this series. If you have the requisite skill and the right programs, you can write it and animate it yourself and you can upload it. And that is a lot simpler than um, getting involved with the studio, finding all of this time and money and resources and on top of that, having to convince someone at a studio or someone who's going to fund your project what exactly it means to put a web series up. What is a web series even? How is it different from normal TV? How will we make money? How will people watch it? You can imagine um, some mid-level network executive asking all of these questions and not being sure how to answer them because it's 2001 or 2002. We haven't figured these things out yet. So if you're animating or creating something very small on your own it's easier to just skip all of those middle people and get right to uploading your stuff and having people watch it and i think another thing too that matters is that uh animation is less um attached to the to the convention and the constraints that we associate with conventional tv you know like every episode being 22 or 44 minutes or um, having a certain number of commercials or having a certain number of shots uh, you don't have to put up with all of those ideas that have become ingrained. So if you want to make something that's two minutes and the next one's five minutes, next one's a minute and a half, you can just bump up those short clips and it's fine. And because everyone's internet is not as good, they'll probably take a lot less time to buffer too. So there are a lot of obvious benefits um, that led to animated stuff catching on earlier. 
So there's this huge gap of time between 1995 and basically now, where Netflix is releasing these popular web series that are nothing really like what we uh, picture from back in the day. What was the holdup? I mean, you mentioned studio executives. Was it that? Was it a lack of interest on the audience part? Was it the technology being weak? Uh, was it a mix of these things? Yeah, I think I think it was absolutely a mix. And I can talk about the technology first. Um, I don't know about you. I live in uh, the frozen tundra of southwestern Ontario, Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, my internet connection is still, uh, it's not great all of the time. Like there are many times where I'm just unplugging my router, trying to solve some mystery issue or stuff isn't loading at the speed I know it can load. And I have all these questions. I don't understand the technology at all. I have to call my ISP and sound really pitiful and get them to help me. So if I'm still having those problems in 2015, um, imagine the problems, we've talked about it before, but they were just amplified like tenfold, a hundredfold. 15 years ago. So if you're going to stream a web series, um, especially one that is matching the length of conventional TV, and then you want to binge watch it, you need both internet speed and internet reliability. And those were two things that you couldn't always have. I mean, half the time you couldn't talk on the phone and use your browser at the same time. So it's hard for a web series to succeed under those conditions. Another thing that's nice about where we are now is that we have all of these different ways Uh, in terms of media hardware, that you can watch these web series. Not only can you watch stuff through a computer, you can also watch it on your phone. You can watch it through something like a smart TV. If you have a home console that you use to play video games, there are often apps that, you know, Netflix, Hulu, etc. have that you can watch um, the series on your your TV through that. Uh, You can watch it on a tablet. Like, you know, I could list devices ad nauseum. The point is, if you want to see this stuff, there are so many different ways in which you can see it. You don't have to just go to your browser and, and sit there with your desktop computer or your, your heavy laptop or what have you. Um, I think the other problem, it's not, I wouldn't call it a lack of interest as much as uh, a mindset that was kind of stuck in the mud. So TV is a pretty young cultural medium, especially compared to um, the other things that are demanding our attention on a daily basis. Music is a lot older. Movies are a lot older. The books are a much much older obviously and so tv is young but it's old enough for people to have a lot of habits and sort of cultural sticking points that they um that they associate with watching tv so that can be stuff like uh getting together with your friends to watch a tv show that's scheduled and it comes on every week um that can even mean the experience of sitting through ads um of shows lasting a half hour or an hour or longer but and, and you know that for sure these are all really small things that we don't think about all the time, but they inform our viewing experience. And I think a lot of people are conditioned to expect them and, and derive some sort of comfort from them. So when you're taking um, a TV show or, or some some piece of content out of that context and you're putting it in one that's different and a lot more formless, you know, you can watch what you want whenever you want on whatever device you want. There are no ads you have to deal with, save maybe a pre-roll one at the beginning, depending on where you're watching. It could be five minutes. It could be 55. You have no idea. I think it took both viewers and the people who make TV um, a little while to wrap their brains around that and to understand that from a business perspective, it was valid. So I think all of those things came together to uh, introduce this huge delay between the idea of, of web television, you know, 
coming into the world and then it becoming more of a mainstream thing. Okay, so that got pretty heady. Now I'm going to follow that up with a really, really heady, I mean, like deep, we're going to open our philosophy books. Okay. We're going to talk like we're in graduate school. (laughs) Question, what is Lonely Girl 15? Oh, I mean... (laughs) But or let who me, is? Let, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me retreat into my library to grab a dusty tome to break down the uh, Lonely Girl 15 saga. So uh, the first thing that we can say about Lonely Girl 15 is that it's a username. Uh, it was a YouTube account associated. <laughs> we're going to really break this down. <laughs> yeah, we're going to break it down. Like we're going into the matrix right now. I'm going to offer you the red pill and the blue pill. And it doesn't matter which one you take. We're going to oh, talk God. about Lonely Girl 15. I didn't know it was a men's rights activist. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm fired. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, Lonely Girl 15, the username first. It was okay. associated with this um, this girl named Bree. She was a teen vlogger and she gained a following in, you know, mid-2006 through posting these, you know, intimate personal videos about her life as a normal teen. And the videos accordingly were normal and then they quickly uh, became a lot more bizarre. There were secret cults there was um mysterious family drama there were shadowy organizations out for blood uh literal blood um you know you name it all these things that you would find in like your typical ya novel were coming out of this lonely girl 15 channel and you know were they all just coming from this one girl like was she constructing this elaborate narrative by herself what was her deal that ended up being I mean, what I consider the coolest thing about Lonely Girl 15 is that it wasn't a, um, you know, a lone teen vlogger at all. It was just a very uh, deceptive web series, um, you know, created by three middle-aged men um, in 2006. <laughs> I mean, I guess three middle-aged men aren't cool, but the concept is cool to me. Uh, so this it started in June 2006, and it wasn't until September, a couple months later, that people... Um, had uncovered the full truth about Lonely Girl 15. It wasn't just one random teen with a username. It was this completely fictional, pretty complex narrative. And fans had been um, working on these pet theories and doing sort of this amateur sleuthing that's now familiar from you know people in your Twitter feed. They'd been doing it for weeks in comments and on message boards, trying to figure out if it was like an alternate reality game viral promotion kind of thing, if it was a hoax, um, if Brie, you know, the titular lonely girl was an actress or if it was a real person. And what this all culminated in was that uh, Lonely Girl 15 became one of the first web series to really capture um, mainstream attention. It had a lot of people in in major publications and just people who, you know, are, are casual internet users asking questions about what this thing was. And it also ended up predicting we live in this age now where let's say you're in um let's say you're in a twitter spat or celebrities are in a twitter spat this is happening right now with with um you know taylor swift etc well you have this army of amateur detectives who are going through celebrities instagram likes and looking at their comments and looking at all of their behavior that's been cataloged on the internet in the past few years to discern the truth if there's some you know lurking truth behind this twitter beef <laughs> They're going to figure it out. And I think Lonely Girl 15, almost a decade ago, was one of the first displays of of the um, the potential and the power of this uh, 
army <laughs> of amateur um, Twitter users and internet users with too much time on their hands. So my perception of web television, especially of this like relatively high produced uh, kind, is these weird like side video series that would run alongside um you know a popular show that's already on nbc and abc and they'd be like oh great here are the you know the the d story characters uh getting you know 10 extra minutes on the internet and and i'm curious is that does that have a role in all of this and 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 around like just tell me more about that era because i feel like that was a weird thing that kind of happened and i maybe it's still happening and i just don't know about it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think its peak has probably passed, but you're absolutely right. That was that was a thing that happened. Um, I think the start of this sort of um, this tangential Hollywood involvement in web television uh, is around 2008. That's the year when major networks, you mentioned NBC and ABC, these are like your biggest broadcast networks. Um, they're starting to make investments in content that they're designing for the internet, as opposed to stuff that's being um, punted from a network to the internet or is not being thought of at all. And some of it was original and some of it was designed to supplement their existing programming, like you mentioned. So uh, I think The Office had a a side series that followed um, Kelly Kapoor's adventures in The Office and her her, her having fun with, um, with Ellie Camper. So Mindy Kaling and Ellie Camper were the actresses. Um, and they had their like little office band and they sang, I think the song was called subtle sexuality. Anyway, very funny, very cute. Um, not, but you know, supplementary in nature. And then you also had some web series debut, um, that were completely original. They starred familiar Hollywood names and they earned a lot of mainstream attention. And the best example of this to come out at this time, uh, was created by Joss Whedon, who we know as directing the Avengers and working on a ton of other stuff uh, throughout the last two decades of television and movies. So he um, wrote this thing called Dr. Horrible's Sing-Along Blog, which was a musical comedy. And it starred Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion. And the reason it even existed at all um, was because of the Writers Guild strike that was taking place at that time and started the year before. And Whedon was looking for something like a fun, inexpensive project that he could put together while everyone was being hampered by this writer's guild strike. And he came up with Dr. Horrible, which was this three act musical miniseries, And it became a huge hit. You know, people, people were talking about it off the internet, which was a big deal at the time. Like, and I remember being, this would have been the, the end of high school for me a couple of years after our teen girl squad adventure. Uh, and I remember having friends who were, watching Dr. Horrible, talking about it, and encouraging me to watch it myself. So uh, it was, you know, it won a lot of fans, people who wouldn't normally watch web TV. It got recognized come end of the year award time for, um, you know, its innovation and its hilarity. And then, of course, four years later, uh, Whedon was writing and directing The Adventures. So I would say that things worked out for him. And now this whole thing has become pretty routine. It's common for people who are creating web series have got their start in that world uh, to ink development deals with conventional TV networks. And it's pretty common for streaming services like Netflix, like Hulu, to be creating their own completely original content. Okay, final question. Okay. Don't screw this up. I won't. You're going to be misguiding a lot of people if you do. <laughs> Our audience of millions. Uh, what, what are the best web television shows? Okay. Can I ask another question first? 
Yes. How many can I give three? You can give five. Five. Oh, okay. Perfect number. Thank you. So I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to organize these by network. So we'll start with Netflix. I have two selections from Netflix. Uh, one is Orange is the New Black, which is a, a dramedy, I guess. It kind of really defies classification, which is why people like it so much. It's a dramedy series about what happens at a women's prison. And it is so humane and so diverse and not in the buzzword sense, though it is that too, but diverse in terms of the kinds of stories it's capturing and the ways that it tells those stories. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. Um, it's got a lot of great act- actresses and actors too. Um, Orange is the New Black is great. My other Netflix series is Chef's Table, which is a six episode um, documentary series about chefs around the world. Uh, it's shot beautifully. It frames food in terms of um, narrative as opposed to creation. It's not like watching a show on the Food Network where they just show you how to make a meal. You're learning the uh, you're learning about the lives of these chefs and how they inform their food. I thought it was beautiful. Devoured it in one weekend. Definitely recommended it. Um, a show I mentioned a little bit earlier in brief is High Maintenance, which is just it's a web series that's just been picked up by HBO earlier this year. And the premise of high maintenance is it follows uh, this New York City weed dealer. And um, it doesn't really focus on him as much as it does the lives of his wacky customers. Um, but again, like like Orange is the New Black, it's humane. It tells a wide range of stories. Uh, it really knows how to tug at your heartstrings in ways that you wouldn't expect. And you can find it on Vimeo. Um, you do have to pay for some of the episodes, but many are free. And it's worth checking out. It's not going to take up too much of your time. Uh, Amazon's offering... I mentioned it earlier, it's called Transparent. It stars Jeffrey Tambor as a trans woman named Mora. And what happens to Mora as she begins her new life at an advanced age? And what happens with Mora's large and complicated and a little bit messed up family? Um, and Transparent is a good example of what web TV can do because it's not beholden to the uh, demands on pace and on narrative that are often placed on conventional TV series, you know, it doesn't have to appease you with a cliffhanger in every episode. There doesn't need to be a juicy tidbit at the end of every, you know, commercial segment. Uh, It has the space and the time to tell a story that evolves slowly and then it bursts into something and then it takes its time again. And that makes for a really neat viewing experience. And then this is my last one. This one is web only. Um, It's a series called The Outs. It follows um, a group of young gay men in New York. And I think it shares a lot of the same characteristics as the series I've all mentioned above in terms of its um, lack of convention when it comes to pacing and the way the shots are framed and the stories that it tells. Um, It's a joy. Really highly recommend it. Okay, that's five. Thank you for letting me say so much. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I'm going to recommend one that maybe you haven't seen. Have you seen Next Time on Lonnie? No. Oh my gosh. So this is your, this is full circle. This is your moment where you feel depressed and left (laughs) out and I've accomplished my my goal. It's a YouTube series about the beginning of every episode is the end of a traditional episode of television about a boring, generic white dude who's just trying to get the girls. 
Um, and that's about like 10 seconds long. And then the episode ends. And then we get the next time on Lonnie. And that's when the real show starts. And it is a look at what's going to happen on the next episode. And it's a very, very long montage um, that gets increasingly absurd, uh, often to the point of like, L.A. sinking into the ocean type of stuff. <laughs> uh, and and it is uh, pretty fantastic. I, there's actually a show, like I think it's called like Hollywood, Florida, or something like that, that's on Comedy Central right now, and I believe it's most of the same people. I probably butchered that. Um, but there you go. As long as you feel like you've missed out a little bit by the end of this podcast, <laughs> I really feel like I've done my job today. Yeah, I do. And, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons I love web TV so much is that there's so much of it. And it's, <laughs> you can it's, always feel it's like so you're different. Out. You can always feel like you're uncool and like you're missing out on something. And I just, uh, I luxuriate in that feeling. So what that's why we great that's why note web to TV. end the show on. <laughs> um, Jameson, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show today. You are a wonderful guest. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of What's Tech. You can find more uh, well, more pieces by Jameson on TheVerge.com. It's a website with lots of great stories, um, almost exclusively by him. All the other ones, are, they're okay. <laughs> um, you can find us on uh, Twitter at What's Tech. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. That's where a lot of people like to listen to the show. If you uh, visit, why not leave a review? It goes a long, 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 long way towards getting this show out to more people and also keeping the show free, which is the thing that we want to do because I wouldn't want to charge you for my voice. That doesn't make sense. That's a bad idea. Um, and uh, maybe just share the show. That, that also works. Um, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we will see you later. Bye. It's over!